What is up, everybody, and welcome back to Telgate Talks, powered by the nation. Today is May 24th, Wednesday. Uh, we're recording early afternoon today. Uh, this is episode 184, so by the time you're listening to this and everything, Texas Tech's baseball game tonight with West Virginia will have happened. We don't know anything. Uh, Dustin, quick prediction. Um, you know, Say say what you think is going to happen for the people so after they listen to this, they can either be like, wow, Dustin was incredible. or Yeah, we're probably going to win like 8-3. Eight, eight to three. Pretty, pretty dominating. Yeah. Moving on into tomorrow. 8-3, to three, Texas Tech victory. You heard it from Dustin here first. Um, but yeah, we've got some Texas Tech basketball news to get into since the last time we spoke to you guys. We got uh, some Texas Tech football you know, hype train uh, that's, you know, got accelerated to the next level uh, due to a tweet. Uh, we've got some Texas Tech baseball to cover this week, as well as some other tidbits from some other Texas Tech sports. Lots to get to after we took another week off. Uh, times are slow right now, but to catch everything we're doing here at Tailgate Talks, make sure you are following us. Uh, we'll start to pick things back up over the summer. We got some fun ideas uh, and all that so follow what we're doing here you can follow us on apple follow us on spotify give us those five star ratings five stars for the tailgate and also follow our social media accounts follow us on twitter at tailgate underscore talks we're also on instagram facebook and we do have a youtube channel that you can follow uh, we'll be looking to do some live shows maybe once football season comes around uh, maybe some live shows this summer while we're doing some uh, texas tech themed drafts some other drafts we uh, ask you guys to help us out and so far nobody's really given us anything um <laughs> so we'll we'll keep kind of pushing that see if we can get any other sort of draft ideas but we got some good ones cooked up for y'all so follow that youtube channel to catch those and lastly if you have anything to add to the tailgate comments questions uh shot bet draft ideas anything like that you can email the show at tailgate talks pod at gmail.com so with all of that said Let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. We're going to start this thing off right. All right, Dustin, it is early Wednesday afternoon. We've got some baseball on the horizon for us, but let's start off with some Texas Tech basketball news. Since the last time we left you guys, we still had some uh, roster spots we were waiting to get taken, and the, and two spots have since been filled. Uh, we are still waiting on an assistant coach. Last time we, we talked, uh, Ben McCollum was what we had heard was the rumor, and the text we had received said anywhere – you know, maybe the next day or something like that. Well, two weeks later, we still don't know who the assistant coach is. Nope. Dustin, um, I still think it is going to be McCollum, but, you know, we haven't heard anything more along that topic. But um, despite knowing about the advantage and loophole, is it still pretty frustrating for you to not have this spot filled yet? Not necessarily, because I think we still feel confident in – our plan or backup plan, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think, yeah, we're still using it to our advantage to get some more visits and talks and whatever. So hopefully McCaslin knows what he's doing with, you know, bending these rules and whatnot. And so hopefully we kind of, I guess we're trying to get roster figured out first and then 
come around the back end and yeah. do the hiring. So hopefully that works out. Yeah, I think that's probably it. I, I figure McCaslin knows what he's doing, um, and, and there's a reason for this, and I still believe that McCollum is locked up and is a part of the future. Yeah. Um, this We're currently in the dead period right now, uh, so they're not allowed to do any visits or anything like that. The portal has closed. Um, there will still be some graduate transfers who can enter. Um, but right now I think they're trying to save up and get a couple more visits in there. Uh, and so maybe they, you know, once this dead period ends and the silence kind of, uh, ends during this time that you might hear some news and some visits and stuff like that coming up. And then I would expect, yeah. a, a McCollum to be named to that spot around the corner. Sometimes who knows, um, you know, this staff moves in silence, um, so far. So we'll keep an eye on that, but all that we have heard right now still points to McCollum. Uh, just not sure when that'll actually come to fruition. Uh, let's go to portal watch. So we have, um, a, a player out who never really was here. Dustin, he was a commit to the Mark Adams era team, Jason Jackson. Uh, a lot of people yeah. just ex- kind of expected him to decommit, but yet for some reason was still committed to Texas tech for quite a while. Uh, earlier this week, he announced that he is decommitting from Texas tech and reopening his recruitment, um, which, um, uh, honestly is kind of good news for Texas tech. Um, not really sure what this player was going to provide, a young guy, a freshman, and right now you're kind of needing to load the roster with some veteran guys, um, and so this gives you another roster spot to do so. What were your thoughts on the Jason Jackson decommit? Yeah, you said it was kind of weird how quiet it was, and we weren't sure which direction he was going, but yeah, him decommitting, it's that's okay. Yeah. Because we have a very guard-heavy roster as it is, so – he wasn't going to get any run this year anyways. Like that's just fact of it. Like we are guard heavy on this roster. And now that opens up, we have two spots open that we can use to fill in for bigs and big veterans, older guys like that can play now. Cause right now we only have one center and like two power forwards. And one of them's prior project a couple years let down the road. So like, (laughs) Really, we have like one playable power forward, one playable center, and we need to use those two spots for for two veteran bigs. So, honestly, that helps us now than it would down the road three or four years whenever he develops, you know? Yeah, I think especially in this day and age of college basketball and the options that are out there of guys that are ready to go, guys who have played minutes, like that's more valuable and like, yeah, sure, one of the things that's getting hurt in this process is freshmen like Jason Jackson, um, sure. definitely years ago, you were like, yeah, you're getting a four-star kid, a guy that you can develop and see being here, but that's just not the case anymore. Um, you need those guys, especially in Big 12 basketball, that are ready to go out there, and if you can have more yeah. roster spots filled by that, you, you're definitely going to try to take advantage of that. So uh, best of luck to Jason Jackson. Uh, hardly knew him, but you know, yeah. you hope he finds a good spot uh, for him in the future. Uh Players that we now know are coming to Texas Tech since the last time we talked to you, this uh, recruit committed pretty much right after our last episode, I'm pretty sure, or a day or so later. We felt good news was coming along, but it does indeed happen. Warren Washington, the seven-foot center out of Arizona State, announced his commitment to Tech. He has already signed uh, and will be joining McCaslin 
in the Red Raiders next year. Uh, he averaged 9.2 points per game, 6.9 rebounds uh, per game, as well as 1.6 assists and 1.8 blocks. So uh, a versatile center when you look at those stats. Uh, he also was third in the Pac-12 in blocks, sixth in the Pac-12 in rebounds. So uh, a guy who was highly productive at Arizona State last year, a team that made the tournament, a team that almost knocked off TCU uh, last year uh, and was rumored to be deciding between tech or TCU. So you win that recruitment battle with the interconference foe. Dustin, your thoughts on the Warren Washington commitment to Texas Tech. Yeah, this is big news. Like literally with him being yeah. seven foot, we needed some huge big man center help. And so to get a seven foot center, that's a nine, seven and two blocks guy is huge. Um, has played Pac-12 big five basketball already. We're not getting like a yeah. mid major kind of moving up type guy. So that's huge. He immediately steps in as your starting center yeah, easily. Uh, so that's great. It was kind of worrisome the couple of days before when it was coming down to us and TCU and we just straight up heard like it's coming down yeah. to NIL. Like <laughs> that's it. Like that's the day and age we're in now. Like, yeah, I like both of y'all who can give me more, I guess. And I don't know if we won that or just won them over, but we got them. That's all that matters. Yeah, at the end of the day, we got them. Um, you know, sure, maybe some stories might come out, or maybe McCaslin was like, "I don't really care what the money is. Let's we got to get this guy." Um, and you know, he fits, yeah, he, he, seems yeah. like he fits that mold. And also, you just like you said, you needed big guys. Like we're we're very small right now, <laughs> and so having a seven footer uh, back in the mix is nice. Like you said, he's going to be your starter. Um, to have a guy like that is always impactful, not only like for offense to help, you know, get some shots around the rim, uh, some pick and roll action and stuff like that. But defensively, it makes every player on the other side of the ball kind of question whether to attack the rim or not when you got a guy like there who can get you about two blocks a game. So yeah. um, to have that size is very key to win a battle against TCU is very key. Um, you know, TCU's kind of been on a hot streak last year, last couple years. And so, uh, winning that battle is definitely huge and kind of the first real big get, I think for McCaslin and the staff, besides like the roster retention of like getting pop to stay Lamar to stay and some of those guys, this was a huge win. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Washington and what you think he might really bring to this team? Now we just need to find his backup because we know he's going to get in foul trouble with the big 12. We see it every year, big men get in foul trouble. Like now we gotta find the guy who can play the other seventeen minutes that he can't. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the key, and that's what you're hoping to find with the uh you know, remaining two roster spots is another big that you can throw into the rotation, get you valuable minutes, um, kind of be maybe at six man off the bench for you, um, or something yeah. like that. Another commitment that we got for the Red Raiders, Emilio Yalahu. Yalaho, um, I'm not sure. sure how you pronounce that name, so uh, don't take <laughs> don't take my word for it. But uh, a six eight freshman from Finland uh, seems like a little bit of a versatile prospect who can shoot, play with some size, but also uh, kind of a prospect that you're taking for the upside of him. Not necessarily going to be a player I think you see a lot of in this first year, but um, was kind of an interesting development that happened. I think. McCasson recruited him out of UNT all of a sudden got, you know, an offer from us and a couple other power five schools. And then next thing you know, visits campus commits to Texas tech. 
Dustin, your thoughts on the six eight freshman and kind of um, you know it happened pretty quick. Uh, not a lot known about this guy. Any any thoughts that you have on this commit? Yeah, like I guess I don't know because he is pretty unknown. Um, it's good that we got another power forward type guy. He's he seems like from the footage I've seen like kind of like a Robert Jennings type guy. Um, <clears throat> maybe not as quite as ready as Jennings was last year and. I mean, Jennings maybe wasn't even ready last year, but we just had to yeah. play him. Um, but, yeah, his commitment and recruitment was a little odd to me. Um, I was looking through his page, and like, a lot of nothing. And, like, y'all brought up he was maybe being recruited by North Texas before. But he, like, didn't get Power 5 offers until, like, early May. So I was like, that's kind of yeah. weird like to – be at the end of your senior year and you're just now getting power five offers, like starting to get big East offers and then us and then quickly cut the list and then quickly committed. So I don't know. (laughs) I hope it works out. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like um, recruiting foreign uh, players is hard. I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily know, like unless they're the huge named players, like, Oh, Wimby. I mean, you don't really know about any foreign guys, especially on the college level, you know, just kind of thinking back, you know, even Bacho was kind of somebody that had never heard of, even though he went to Arizona his freshman year. Um, The Donley was a guy that, you know, kind of came on out of nowhere. So um, I think like with these kind of prospects and these types of players, um, you know, you're you kind of hope that some of these guys fall through the cracks and maybe that was the case with Yalahu yeah. and, and nobody had really heard of him. They saw, I got a tech offer and then a few other schools kind of take a look into this kid. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay. Um, so it could be one of those, you know, finds just one of those finds just by watching film and, you know, McCasland and, and kind of knowing some things and then other teams figure out, Oh, this is a pretty good player. Tech's going to get a steal here. So that's what I think, you know, you have to hope from this type of thing is he's just one of those kids who might've fallen through the cracks through being in another country, being in Finland, playing ball and, you know, not sure what the college pipeline is there, but um, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, so I think you definitely a six, eight freshman, maybe he's still growing, um, he's obviously going to, you know, be growing in, you know, how he plays the game of basketball. And so if you're able to take a risk on that and you get the reward of actually getting to see him be here for a couple of years, and that could end up being a big recruit for you years down the road. Uh, as for this year, um, you know, he'll probably see some time in uh, non-conference games when you're playing easy teams, uh, maybe in some blowout action. But I don't really know what to expect from the kid in his freshman year. But nonetheless, a roster spot is uh, filled up there there's still two more roster spots left to be filled right now you know there's not really a whole lot of information about out there as who that might be we were apparently in on tyron lawrence a guard out of vanderbilt um, since then it seems like he is returning to vanderbilt he tried the draft uh, process um, i think he is going to return to vanderbilt from everything that i've seen uh, reporting wise it looks to be all but a done deal. Um, he just has to announce it. So that was kind of the big guard that we were in on. Other than that, I haven't really seen too many other names surface. So 
Uh, right now, it's kind of a wait and see period. The portal's closed, so there's still some players who haven't announced their dis- you know decisions yet. And then grad transfers can still enter the transfer portal at this time. They don't have a a period that they have to enter by. So you'll still probably see some grad transfer names, and that's probably some of the players that you can expect us to target is to try to snag a couple grad transfers out there. Maybe the 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 process is one grad transfer and then kind of leave a spot open for a mid-year transfer like Jalen Tyson did, like Kyron Lindsay did. Um, so we'll kind of see what that uh, situation plays out to be. But as of now, we don't know anything on that. Dustin, anything you want to comment on that or are you just kind of riding the wait and see and and believe yeah now we just gotta wait and see because we're in this dead period for a couple weeks i guess so i guess we just sit around and maybe because of this dead period we end up getting our next assistant coach who knows yeah i think once the dead period ends some more news will start to surface whether that's mccollum whether that's you know texas tech's targeting a couple grad transfers whether that's you know just notable grad transfers entering the transfer portal, um, you know, I, I would expect some of that stuff to happen. You know, there's still time. You know, Bryson Williams didn't come to Texas Tech till like June. I don't think we got Kevin O'Banner till July. So there's still time um, and there's still plenty of players out there. So, um, you know, just got to trust in McCaslin and hope that he finds the right player uh, players to come uh, play for the Red Raiders next year and fill out this roster. But until then, we'll just kind of keep monitoring it with you guys on Twitter at Red Raider Sports, various other you know people that we know who might, are in the know of certain things. So we'll keep an eye on that and be sure to update you guys as more news breaks on that front. Last little Texas Tech college basketball tidbit, Dustin. Yesterday, was it or was it the day before that uh, one of our favorite Big 12 refs, John Hollywood Higgins, as we call him, yes. is uh, taking a step up, uh, taking ya. a step up to a larger role to kind of oversee uh, some collegiate officiating and stuff like that. So a larger role for him, which means no more Hollywood Higgins on uh, a Saturday when you're playing Kansas there at the end of the game to make some brutal calls that obviously go in Kansas's favor. Uh, Dustin, one of our, uh, we have a few refs. We've got, you know, Hollywood Higgins, scary Jerry Pollard, and we've got, you know, sports science sermons, um, three of our, 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 you know, favorites for, you know, to hate on. What do you think about Hollywood Higgins taking the step up and, and not seeing him on the court this next season? I know for us and especially you, like he's probably your least favorite guy to see when we show up to the spirit arena so i you know i will say this be... i started liking him more because i just knew it what to expect um <laughs> yeah there's that <laughs> he's always gonna yeah. insert himself into the game but and, and it's not as bad it as i think it won't be just the last minute yeah. either it's gonna be like a substantial amount yeah but but it's like once you know it and you know it to expect it like you know it meets the expectation while like i think jerry pollard and sermons sermons has gotten better i think as well but like there's some other officials i don't know them by sermons name who are very better. unpredictable in what they're gonna do and i think i'd rather have yeah. like the guy who's more predictable and i know like they're gonna fuck up the calls and sure it's gonna bother me but at least i know <laughs> it whether than like i'm gonna have to guess whether they're gonna get the call right or not <laughs> yeah i guess that's true so i mean good luck to him i hope he picks out some good people to fill his spot and bring up to the big 12 
So it's a lot of games that they're going to have to fa- find officials for. The dude was refing like six games yeah. a week. He was refing like three different conferences. So. Yeah, not really a Big Twelve ref when you're working a Big Twelve game Monday, uh, Pac twelve, a Big Ten, another <laughs> Big Twelve, uh, ACC, uh, AAC. You know, he did a little bit of everything, but. You know, good for him. And yeah, I think the best thing you can hope from that is that maybe Higgins gets a little more involved with picking out some of these officials, maybe sending officials to more conferences. And rather than having the same guys kind of officiate every single Big 12 game, I think like having a mixture of these refs, sending them all over the place is a good idea. So we'll see what he does with that. A little TBT news as we get closer and closer to the basketball tournament being here in Lubbock. Another commitment for the Air Raiders is uh, former Red Raider Kyler Edwards. Dustin, this one kind of came out of nowhere. Not a player (laughs) I was expecting to see play for the Air Raiders, but one that I will accept because he spent the majority of his career here. What were your thoughts on Kyler entering the the fold? Yeah, it'll be good to see him back after he left for that last year. I didn't want to make the joke, though. I guess Houston doesn't have a TBT team for him to jump on. I guess I guess not. <laughs> Just holding yeah. that one in. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be nice to have him back after how much success he had here and being here like three or four years, whatever he was. So especially with the other like five or six guys yeah. from that kind of group that we already have. So that's yeah, pretty it'll cool. Be kind of fun to see him as a more mature basketball player playing around the guys he was when yeah. he was just a freshman. You know, he was just a freshman who you came off the bench and he hoped to get a couple threes from. Uh, and some energy, and now he's a you know completely different basketball player. So it'll be fun to watch him uh, suit up and, and play in Lubbock again. So looking forward to that. Any other basketball tidbits or anything that you wanted to get into uh, this week? No, man. Well, let's go over to football right quick to just kind of you know discuss tweets that obviously got the fan base pretty pumped up. Uh, understand why, but you know. We always got to pump the brakes, so let's go over and talk a little Texas Tech football. Somebody turn on some damn music! All right, Dustin. So, as we know, Texas Tech uh, preseason polls, preseason predictions, preseason anything, 10 months out, eight months out, five months out, it always gets the fan base going. Doesn't matter. Uh, Somebody out there is going to get excited. Someone's going to get upset. And, you know, several years now in football, we've up to this year, we haven't had good predictions. It's always been pretty bad, bad, worse, worse, bad, uh, bottom of the big 12, stuff like that. Uh, but this year it's vice versa. It's flipped. It's the, you know, the hype train right now for Texas tech. We're getting a lot of that dark horse talk kind of like Kansas state got last year, kind of getting dubbed as uh, this team who can make the TCU type jump that they did last year. And then it all culminates with Brett McMurphy tweeting out his predictions of the um, New Year's Six Bowls and Texas Tech getting the nod from the Big 12 to be the representative in the Cotton Bowl against Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. So obviously Texas Tech fans are going to take that and run with it. Dustin, what was your first off your thoughts on just the prediction um, and kind of like what that means? And then we'll get into the overreactions. Yeah. Honestly, like I'm not that surprised by it because if you believe in what we've been saying and everything's been 
said about like roster retention and the guys we brought in and keeping the coordinators and how well this coaching staff is coaching these guys, <clears throat> Shuck coming back. Like we're the dark horse, the kind of three seed in the Big 12 right now. And if we end up pulling it off and winning the Big 12, then yeah, we do get that bowl game. Like it does line up. Like I think what got everybody so excited was we were playing yeah. Alabama in that game. I think that's a hyped it yeah. even more. If <laughs> it had Alabama on the other side. Um, but yeah, like us being in that spot doesn't surprise me because yeah, if you do the math, like it adds up to that. Like it adds up to the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I think like that's while it's not my, gonna be my prediction going into the season, I wanna manage expectations a little bit. Um sure. I, I yeah. completely see it as a reasonable prediction, like not something completely outlandish. Right. And that's why I think a lot of tech fans take it and run with it is because, you know, if you're paying close attention to Texas Tech football, you've seen what Joey McGuire is building. You saw the end of last season and, you know, ending the season, how we did going into the ball game, whipping up on Ole Miss, uh, getting a lot of that roster retention back. Like you said, you kept all your coaching staffs. This is something you haven't had in a very long time, like that yeah. roster retention oh, no. and the coaching staff retention. So you just expect that with the young guys that we keep bringing in with some of the other players and, uh, you know, some of the reputation you're starting to get as being able to do, to build NFL caliber defensive recruits um, like a Tyree Wilson. Um, so a lot of that stuff builds and, you know, everybody wants to kind of find the dark horse team and we match a lot of the, those qualities for sure. So I totally get it. And the other thing I think, like, I think Coach McGuire likes seeing this kind of stuff because <clears throat> from what I've kind of noticed and heard about him during like games and spring practice, especially like he likes to hype guys up so that they have to meet those expectations, yeah. like rather than knock them down and hopefully they just get better from negative reinforcement. He's the other way. I feel like he's like so much, we're so much better. We're 14 points better than last year's team yeah. already like hoping they just raise up and meet those expectations. And so I think he kind of uses that as, Hey, that's not cotton bowl type play right there. That's not beating Alabama right there. Alabama's not doing this crap in practice, like using that to help tune these guys up to make them better players and professionals. I think he's going to use that as bulletin board material to get to that place. Yeah. I definitely think that's a unique, like coaching take. And I feel like a lot of Texas tech coaches that we've had in the past are like, Oh, they don't think you're going to be any good. And then that's how they use no. it to motivate. And I think he uses, oh, we're yeah. going to be good to motivate them. Like we're going to be good. And he's very confident about that. And like you said, he's already saying, you know, we're two touchdowns better than last year's team um, and using that as motivation. So um, I I'm sure he's got the guys, you know, fired up with this. Uh, as well and just using that to his advantage and that that's what makes him I think a really fun and intriguing coach that uh, I think is going to bring us a lot of success uh, the overreaction part it's something that we always kind of make fun of right we we're not big fans of preseason polls we're not big fans of like getting all upset about that right no games have been played you got to earn it on the field on the court all that various stuff that's right um, but Texas Tech fans, of course, love to overreact. And you would have thought when this tweet went out that that just meant, all right, buy your tickets now. We're going to the Cotton Bowl. Um, <laughs> that's how Texas Tech fans were reacting. Your thoughts on your thoughts on just kind of what happened that day uh, on, on Twitter and, and the reactions. 
yeah, I think the reactions went way overboard. And I don't think it's the Cotton Bowl thing. I think it's the playing Alabama yeah. thing. Is like I think a lot of Tech fans that overreacted were are putting us on the same Alabama. level yeah. in tier as Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> and like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, <laughs> this is just how the matchups yeah. work, guys. Like they're saying Alabama's not gonna make the playoffs. And they're gonna be in that bowl game against us. Blah, blah, blah. So like Pump the brakes on. We're a top five team program, whatever. So great that we can get there. Like the path is there. Yeah. So, but let's not put ourselves in the upper echelon of college football programs just yet. Yeah. That's, that's my whole thing is, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, you know, even after last year, like tech's going to be in the natty, all this stuff like that. I've seen various accounts tweet that various, like, High, higher profile accounts tweet that and i'm like guys did john we gotta go through a rough schedule john, to get there and i don't it's think a tough that's schedule did y'all not see georgia destroy tcu i don't know if we want that um but i will definitely take like the kent state route of last year get to the big yeah. 12 championship game win the big 12 championship if another team higher than us makes the college football playoff then that leaves us in line to to play that game and you know at that point sure. you deserve that game but yeah i think a lot of people are like oh we're gonna be the best that means we're automatically you know in that caliber of alabama and uh that that doesn't mean you're in that caliber necessarily like we saw kansas state make it there and we saw them got dispatched by alabama so that you know there's still going to be a wide gap but um well over those and, and then it's just the the preseason hype. I, you know, Texas Tech fans love to to get overhyped about it. And then when we don't reach those goals, uh, love to be super negative about it. And so it's just one of those things of managing those expectations. Like Texas Tech hasn't had yes. over seven wins since what? Uh, Tub- Tuberville was here, maybe. Um, yeah. And that's our over under prediction right now. Seven. And, and so a half. while I totally believe that we're going to hit that over. Um, and I have a lot of confidence in this team. I still want them to go out there and prove it before I just get all high and mighty and yes. and just assume that we're going to do it. I, I got to see them prove it on the field first. So uh, manage those expectations. Uh, the offseason's still a long way to go. We still got July, June, July, uh, August before football season is here. Um, and so, so as those expectations heighten, as the season gets closer, more people got more predictions and more stuff's flying around uh, about us. Manage those expectations. Um, be confident in them. I totally love the confidence. Yeah. Uh, but also just just be real. Be, re- be realistic every now and then. Um, and that way, uh, I think, you know, you get through each season a little bit easier, a little le- uh, less stressful if you have those managed expectations, but nonetheless, it is fun to be uh, predicted to do good things. You like smart people, smart college football analysts to see good things about your program, something we haven't experienced in a long time. And so we still will enjoy it um, while managing those expectations, but a team we had a lot of expectations for before the season Uh, season could be on the line this weekend. So let's go talk a little Texas tech baseball as they get set for the Big 12 tournament. All right, Dustin. Today, as we record, the Red Raiders are in Arlington getting set for their first game of the Big 12 tournament. But to recap how we got to the sixth seed before this tournament, well, we got to go back a couple weeks since we talked to you guys. We were 
getting ready to head to Morgantown for what was going to be a pivotal series uh, for the rest of your season. You were able to steal game one in Morgantown, winning on Friday in what was a really good game, and then proceeded to uh, kind of get your ass kicked uh, Saturday, especially uh, in losing two games to uh, the Mountaineers who end up uh, as a three-part Big 12 regular season champion. Uh, Remember Big 12 won uh, 10 teams, one champion, one true champion. (laughs) Uh, It seems like every sports had multiple champions ever since that slogan came. Um, Then you proceeded to finish off the season with a homestand against the Kansas Jayhawks who are down at the bottom of the big 12, not the bottom, bottom of the big 12, but next to last. And you lost on Friday, had your best pitching performance of the season. Mason Molina with like 11 K's, uh, one run through eight innings and then uh, give up a two-run bomb in the ninth to lose the Friday game, which was a really bad loss. Able to bounce back, get the win on Friday, and then run roll Kansas on Saturday to win the series. But nonetheless, uh, you know, not one that you wanted to drop a game there. A team that can that really struggled down the stretch to get any sweeps. Um, a team that struggled to win on the road. Yeah. Now season depends on winning on the road. Uh, before we get into the tournament, just some regular season awards. First team awards oh, went yeah. to Gavin Cash and Kevin Bazell. Uh, second team awards to Nolan Hester and Mason Molina. Honorable mentions to Brandon Beckel, Gage Harrelson, Hudson White. And then your first uh, your first freshman team is Kevin Bazell and Gage Harrelson. Just crazy that Kevin Bazell is a freshman. Um, but Oh, yeah. uh, a lot that I ran through there, Dustin, kind of your thoughts on the end of that season and some of these awards that were given out. Yeah, the only thing I had on the end of the Kansas series was that great pitching performance Friday night. We had, That was our best starting pitching performance of the year, and then we only give one run of support yeah. at home, which is very surprising, and blow it with our you know best reliever in the game also. So I, that just sucks. That one kind of hurts and lets you down. Um, the awards, yeah, I got it written down. Like, it's crazy that Bazell's yeah. only a freshman. It's great for us. <laughs> like, we got two more years of him. Sweet. <laughs> um, Beckel, only an honorable mention, was kind of surprising. I figured he would at least been second team. Yeah, he did struggle down the stretch. Uh, he didn't really necessarily have yeah, as dominant performances down the stretch as he had at the beginning. So I guess it kind of makes sense. Um, but and then and then I thought Gavin Cash is going to be in the running for <clears throat> player of the conference. And then that goes to West Virginia's JJ Weatherholt. And then I look up the stats. Holy crap! What a season this kid yeah, had. Yeah. He hit 447 yeah, yeah. with 15 home runs. I mean, Gavin Cash hit 350 with 24 bombs, but good God, 447 is ridiculous. So, yeah, that was probably easy pick for everybody to go with. I'm check yeah, the stats. and then team success. You know, West Virginia was a lot better than I think a lot of people Very. Uh, expected them to yep. be. So I, I get why he got the nod there. Uh, Cash's yeah. back half of the Big 12, I think, was probably why he might have lost that. He still had his home runs, but his average was well over like 400. And then, you know, he just kind of struggled down some of these series at the end. And his average drops to 350, which is still really dang good. But uh, when the other guy's batting 440. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, other Big 12 news that's going on, you know, right now on Wednesday afternoon, Kansas is up on number one Texas, six to two. All right. So hopefully they can pull that off. That'd be yeah, sweet. That'd be sweet. Um, get it done. Rock Jock Jayhawk, you know. And yeah, my other thing, like with this team in this season, like I know the Big 12 tournament's never like a big push for us. Cause I think we save up for the NCAA tournament. But like with this team and like realistic expectation of this team, like they're not as high as in past years. So I say you try to really push it and win the Big 12 tournament. Yeah, like, I agree. I think go for it. I think time. you've got to view it as regionals in a way. I th- like I think you've got to go out there and view it as like you got to go win this thing just cuz you want to be able to see how your pitchers can do um you know in that kind of high pressured situations. Um, you kind of want to figure out your rotation for going into that. You know, you're not going to be hosting, you know, you're going to be on the road. So you need your bats to get going outside of the Jones. So or outside of the law. And so, you know, this is a huge weekend for you. If you're able to go out there, compete, even get to the championship, that'll feel like a pretty successful weekend for you. And then try to ride, you know, whatever momentum you're able to build up this weekend into regionals where you're going to go have to go on the road and beat some other pretty good teams to come out of that. Um, we've seen Tech do it before. Um, you know, our first our first College World Series run came out of Coral Gables uh, in the Miami Regional. So it's a team that can get it done under Tadlock. You just haven't had that confidence in this team to go get you no. three wins, um, you know, like that in a weekend. Just something that you haven't done really all season long. And yeah. when, like you said, when you have the good pitching – your hitting isn't good. And when you have the good hitting, your pitching isn't good. So just a inconsistent season. That's probably the word that I would use to describe the season is inconsistent um, from uh, one game to the other, from one pitch to the other, just seems uh, inconsistent, but nonetheless a shot at making the NCAA tournament. Um, I think you should be in barring any uh, signs of just complete disaster weekend. Um, yeah, I think so. And that all starts tonight as you take on the three seed um, part of the Big 12 championship trio in the West Virginia Mountaineers who, like we just kind of mentioned, handed you a series loss just a couple weekends ago. So Kansas beat Texas 6-3, yeah. to so they're gone. Is it? I thought it's a double elimination. or I think Is it? it's double elimination. I don't, I don't think it's one and done. Um, Let me check. I'm pretty schedule. sure that's how it's always been, so – Oh, maybe so, because that's – well, then they're on the loser bracket. Well, at least in the loser bracket, what makes it more more difficult. And so a good opportunity for Texas Tech to get a win tonight over West Virginia, put themselves in the winner's bracket to take on, I think, either Oklahoma State or OU um, in the in mm-hmm. the next game. So uh, we'll be watching that tonight, tweeting about it. So, you know, um, you'll get our thoughts on that game. Um, any other thoughts uh, on Texas Tech baseball uh, in this weekend? Uh, yeah, you're right on the Oklahoma State-Oklahoma side. We get the winner of that one if we win. Um, or loser, I guess, if we're on that side of it. So, yeah, it is double elimination for your side of the bracket. So, 
Uh, wish nothing but best for the Red Raiders this weekend. Hopefully get to see them build some momentum, get some wins, have an impressive tournament in Arlington in a big ballpark. Uh, you always love to see that. And so uh, get to the TVs tonight to support the Red Raiders um, and their journey this weekend. Other quick Texas Tech some stuff we've got to mention. Dustin, uh, Texas Tech men's track and field in what has been a dominant season in the Big 12. They won the indoor Big 12 championship while they add to the trophy case, winning the Big 12 outdoor championship in a landslide. The biggest victory, I think, ever in the Big 12 championship is what they did. Most points, biggest victory. Completely dominating the field. Um, Really impressive performance from Coach Kitley and uh, these guys. Uh, any thoughts on just kind of like how like this track program and the, what their dominance has been? Yeah, that's amazing. They're still ranked second, so going for that national championship, they're going to be within yeah. reach of that. They're in Sacramento this weekend for regionals or semifinals, whatever you call it, uh, the next step before nationals. So hopefully they can qualify a lot, a lot of people. Have so then that come natty yeah. time, we can – make a push yeah it seems like you got a lot of people who are going to be able to qualify in the hundreds hurdles 200s um you know you've you've got some record breakers in all of these categories it seems like and so uh seems like you'll if you have a good weekend this weekend you'll set yourself up for a possible you know second national championship uh for the men um ludvig ludvig agberg agberg sorry struggling through that name i haven't had to pronounce that uh, ludvig uh, wins the Ben Hogan Award for the second straight year. He is the second player to ever win the award in back-to-back seasons. Um, he won that as the men's golf passed their regional round this past week. Um, so congrats to him. Just uh, having the best golfer in college <laughs> in college golfing is something yeah. that's pretty cool to have. Uh, and definitely excited for him and whatever his future brings as he, uh, I am 100% sure he'll be competing on. Uh, the big events uh, moving oh, yeah. forward. So love to have a Red Raider that that's that dominant in the sport and just can't wait for him to go pro. Any thoughts on Ludwig? Yeah, he's just been killing it for two years straight, which is really the name of golf, like consistency. He's been the man, so it's really cool to have him, have him here. Yeah, I think he has a chance to compete for the outright uh, national championship, or uh, I'm, I'm not sure how golf yeah. postseason works. I know we qualified in the top five. Uh, I don't know what that means next, if there's another round you have to qualify or if we're already in match play, but um, he'll definitely have a shot um, uh, coming up whenever that may be. But wanted to get those tidbits in. Uh, Always cool to win a Big 12 championship. Always cool to have a golfer of of Ludwig's status and winning uh, the Ben Hogan Award. So shout out to him. Uh, Before we get out of here this week, Dustin, your final shot. Should give you all a final shot that Josh Young is still really good at baseball Breaking. and crushing for the Rangers again. He's probably going to get rookie of the month for May. Again, his numbers are pretty much the same as they were in April when he got him. He just went through a three straight game stretch of hitting a bomb uh, earlier this week and weekend. So, and then uh, he has more home runs. He's sitting at 11 right now through almost two months of play. More home runs than 
Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, Christian Yelich, Alex Bregman, Francisco Lindor, <laughs> handful of other like all-star type guys. He's second on the team in home runs. Um, yeah. And they are the best offense in Major League Baseball right now. And he's part of the reason for that. And so it's pretty amazing his rookie year is this yeah. good. So, yeah, we're definitely going to be on rookie of the year watch for this season oh, yeah. if he keeps putting up these kind of numbers. Um, it's he leads all rookies in home runs, RBIs, and runs, and is fourth in our uh, yeah. average. So those are so the good. numbers you want. Um, he just needs to keep playing with that type of consistency, and that you know I don't see any way he can't not win that award. But then one other thing on the Josh Young front, the Rangers kind of fumbled the bag on Wednesday night last week. Yeah. It was Texas tech night. Yeah. Glad you, they had Josh Young bobbleheads. Like you got your starting third baseman is a very recent Texas tech player and alumni. <laughs> very good for your team. Like he's yeah. not just some unknown rookie that plays every other day. They had Josh Young bobblehead night, Texas tech day had some sweet, you know, Rangers, Texas tech hats, and bobheads give out. And then they didn't have Josh Young in the lineup on a Wednesday game, day game, I think. And they were off that next Thursday, like the next day. Like, we got to have some communication here of like when to give him days off. Like, hey, this is coming up. Let's make sure he plays yeah. Wednesday. I also heard like they didn't have like a alumni throw out the first pitch. They didn't have like the fight song or matter song ever. Like, we got to try to do a little better with these college days, especially if you have a player yeah, on the that's, damn team. That's the problem. Like that pisses me. That pisses me the fuck off. I know like some people went to the game, like my buddy Mark went to the game and then, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of you're panning it for tech fans. You want Texas tech fans to show up. And you have a huge alumni base there. In and DFW. you have the, the, the child, the chosen one of Texas tech baseball and Josh young on yeah. the team. Who's having an amazing year. You get all these tech fans who want to go see him play. You're giving out his bobblehead, and then you sit him there. Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. I'd be so mad if I spent money to go see that game and didn't get to see Josh Young play. Yeah, I got offered to to go, and I'm glad I didn't because of that. I've been fuming. I've been fuming. Um, Yeah, but you know, still happy to see his success. And you know, luckily for a lot of the people who got to go to that game, they probably get to go to many Ranger games. uh, so they'll see Josh Young play throughout this season and, you know, the rest of his career, hopefully there in Arlington. Uh, my final shot, NBA playoffs have, you know, continue. Um, unfortunately, LeBron and the Lakers were uh, vanquished by uh, the Denver Nuggets, as Dustin is repping that tonight. Um, De- uh, Denver's Nikola Jokic was just too much. Jamal Murray uh, was playing out of his mind, and then all of their role players he was were playing mind. quite well as well. MPJ, uh, Contavious Caldwell, Pope, uh, Bruce Brown, just everybody stepped up. Aaron Gordon had a big game four and were able to vanquish LeBron and the Nuggets. My you know parting thoughts on LeBron in this season – um, you know, it was a really fun series. It, you know, everybody wants to dog on them for getting swept, and you know that is tough. But all of those games were close. They didn't get blown out in any one of those games. They could have in game one. No. Came back and you know almost stole game one, almost stole game two. Um, problem is you got close and just were never able the team to make the winning plays. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. especially in that game four, if, you know, LeBron put all of his energy in that first half. I think he wishes maybe he probably conserved some of that energy that he spent in the first half for the second half because he looked completely spent. Yeah, I was worried about that. <laughs> he looked completely spent by the end of it. Um, you know, just didn't have his legs to get, you know, shots in anymore. And and so uh, that was tough to watch. Um, but ultimately, at 38 years old, he was still their best player and was still the guy that they had to turn to down the stretch of those yeah. games, uh, which is just insane that a 38-year-old player can play every single minute of an NBA playoff basketball game in the Western Conference Finals. And, of course, yeah, the haters out there are going to hate on him. But ultimately, you know, LeBron will never view this season as a success because it doesn't end in a championship. But from how yeah. the Lakers season started, the rust catastrophe that that was, to making the Western Conference playoffs, to vanquishing Steph and the Warriors, to beating the young Memphis Grizzlies team, um, I would view this season as quite the success. Um, the trades and everything that they did in the – Middle of the season to turn that thing around, um, get some valuable minutes from Rui Hachimura out of all people. I didn't think that would happen. Um, we'll be interesting to see what happens this offseason. He kind of floated re- the retirement word out there. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he still wants to play. He's still playing at a yeah. really high level. So um, we'll be interested to see what happens with the Lakers this offseason and if they're able to uh, kind of get this roster tweaked a little bit more for another you know, playoff push this next season. I don't know how much he has left in the tank. Um, you know, these seasons are grueling. Long yes, playoff yeah. pushes are grueling. Um, so uh, just trying to enjoy the last few years of greatness that we can. Uh, it was definitely fun to watch him um, get to the Western Conference Finals this year. Really, the only reason I wore this not to rub in the Nuggets part on you is it's my yeah. Mellow jersey. and Mellow retired. So... Probably the best like bucket getter scorer of our generation. Yeah. Like literally like walking bucket, I think was defined by him. Like especially like that free throw elbow, just it's gonna jab, pump fake, still shoot it over yeah. you and make it thirty times a game. Like dude is ridiculous. Like never had the postseason success, but won like three Olympic medals and had a ton of literally made a ton of baskets, scored the ball a ton. Yep. Like he was fun to watch. But probably not if he was on your team and couldn't couldn't push yeah, I past. Think he's, that I think kind he's of in thing, the top but... ten all time in scoring. So you know that's a God. accomplishment. And yeah, the uh, I I thought he'd been retired for a while, so it was kind of a shock to see that come. He didn't yeah. play this year. That was the only year he didn't play. He was on the Lakers last year in Portland yeah. the year before, and I thought that was kind of really cool of him to like take a step back those last two years and be like, I'm the six man off the bench type guy to help yeah. teach these young dudes like got over his ego of like, I'm the number one and all-star. And like, sometimes those guys can't yeah, do that. It's a kind of nice to see him like succeed at that. Yeah. It's a tough role. role to take. And just kind of the other amazing part about LeBron's legacy is that he's just outlasted all these dudes and these other, all these guys that he <laughs> yeah. went into class with are retired yep. and often that he's still making the Western conference finals. But yeah, I mean, Melo came in a year after, I guess, I think they were the same, same draft. year. Because it was him. Because he was 19 seasons. I guess he didn't play this year. So, yeah. I think it was him, Wade, and yeah, they're all in that kind of same So, that would be the same. Yeah, you're right. So, crazy. Um, But it looks like it's going to be the Nuggets versus the Miami Heat. Um, The Boston Celtics said not so fast. Got one win done. I don't know if they're – I don't think they're going to be able to complete 
the uh, 3-0 nah. comeback, but definitely got a win. Uh, and as they head back to Boston, so uh, pressure's on Miami now to kind of close that one out and not let the momentum get going. But uh, Nuggets Heat Finals looks to be on its way, so we'll make some comments on our final shots as uh, that gets going and everything like that. But uh, that will do it for us this week at the tailgate. Make sure you are following us and everything we do here on Apple and on Spotify. Give us those five-star ratings, five stars for the tailgate. And if you listen to us on Apple, leave us a review. Follow our social media accounts. We're on Twitter at tailgate underscore talks. We also have Facebook, Instagram, and a YouTube channel. Thanks for hanging out with us today, and good luck to the Texas Tech baseball team as they get their Big 12 Conference tournament rolling. And as always, we will catch you all at the next tailgate.